This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Nick Eiler talks about discerning into seminary and discerning out of seminary. How do we know we're following God's will? Is a person a failure if they come out of seminary? Well, let's find out. Nick is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. We welcome in Nick Eilert, a former seminarian who attended Conception Seminary College from January 2015 to May 2016, and after feeling called to discern a potential vocation to the priesthood while he was attending, attending Kansas State, after discerning that he was not called to the priesthood, he returned to K-State to finish his degree in business, recently moved to Hayes to work as a manager at Dillon's, and he's here to tell about his discernment and how ongoing discernment is a process that requires time and, uh, of course, prayer is, is essential, so we get a chance to talk, and we welcome in Nick Eilert. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Great. We're glad to have you in this afternoon. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. We've talked a little bit of, of your story here, where you grew up, and how, how faith was practiced in your family. Yeah, so I grew up in Beloit, uh, Kansas, and I did pre-K through 12 at the Catholic school there, St. John's. Uh, faith was always a central part of my family life. We prayed and we ate supper together pretty much every night. I didn't really realize until I got older just how fortunate I was really to have that growing up. It just kind of seemed like a normal thing at the time. Uh, we rarely missed Sunday Mass. And my brothers and I altar served together. My parents were active in school and church functions, and my dad even took on a lot of leadership roles uh, for many of those uh, uh, school functions. And whenever dad was in charge, the kids helped, which usually meant that we set up and tore down for events like the St. John's Benefit Auction and the Harvest Festival, or we scooped snow with the Knights of Columbus during the wintertime. My dad valued service, and so it's no surprise that that was a big part of my childhood uh, and influenced my faith. And it was really that desire to serve that drove me to want to discern the priesthood later on in life. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, when was the first time you began to have that thought or that inkling you might have a call, a calling to go to the seminary? When about when did that start to happen? Yeah. So seminary was never really on my radar growing up. Um, I started to feel a potential call close to the end of my freshman year of college when I was experiencing a revival in my own faith life. Uh, it had kind of fallen off a little bit when I started college. But I went to a prayer in action, a bridge weekend at St. Isidore's uh, Catholic Student Center there at K-State during that spring. Uh, there, it was that Father Jay and Father Kyle Behrens, they were leading a group discussion about vocations. I had already been meeting up with Father Jarrett Conradi and several other college men to talk discernment every week or two. So it was already on my mind, but I was really opposed to going to seminary until Father Kyle said that uh, during this particular discussion, he said that the best place to discern the priesthood <coughs> is in the seminary. And so I didn't really feel at the time like I had what it takes, but then God put totus tuus in my path. And I didn't really realize what, that I had what it took to do that either. But I prayed that if God truly wanted me to teach for totus tuus, he would equip me for that. I met a lot of really good men during that totus tuus training, and they all happened to be seminarians. One of them assured me that there's really nothing to lose by going to the seminary. 
Um, he went right out of high school, so he was already knocking out gen eds, and his diocese was able to pay his way for him, uh, so the financial burden wasn't even a factor. On top of that, I got to see for myself that seminarians, they're just normal guys like me. Uh, I think what clinched it for me really was during a homily uh, by Father Brian Lager that summer when I heard the message that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those whom he calls. And my teammate nudged me and whispered, he's talking about you. Mm. And that message really was the response to my concerns. It was the answer to what I was praying about. I knew it and my teammate knew it. I didn't have to be some holy, otherworldly person to have a calling to the priesthood. I could just be myself. I needed to just be myself. And God would equip me for whatever I needed. So I began to talk about it extensively with the priests and deacons who I'd meet throughout that summer and eventually picked up an application for myself. It was finally becoming a reality, and the question began to change from if to when. So in all, from the time I first felt called to the moment I entered, about nine months had passed. From outside looking in, it probably didn't seem like I was hesitating at all, but what was really happening was that doors began to open very easily, regardless of my hesitations. And it worked out really well that I would be able to enter during the spring semester, even though it would have been more normal and comfortable to enter the following fall. I liked the idea of going sooner rather than later, and since it happened so simply, I took that to mean God wanted that as well. So I said yes, and to seminary I went. Nick, as you were entering seminary, what was the response of family and friends? What did they think about all of this? My parents were especially supportive, though I think like me, they were also a bit nervous just because there was a lot of unknowns that I was facing. Um, also, I had to decline an internship in order to go to seminary, so it was really helpful to have that reassurance that my parents were behind me on it. A lot of my extended family as well, uh, they uh, quipped about having a priest in the family, which in my family means they were very supportive as well. Many of my friends at the time, though, uh, were non-Catholic, and so, I mean, certainly they were happy for me for going towards something that was important to me, but it wasn't necessarily something I felt like I could talk about freely while I was in the application process. Honestly, that was when I formed a lot of new friendships very quickly among my Catholic friends. In a sense, I wanted to start running with people who I knew were running to God. Basically, I, I needed better influences on my faith, and so I spent more time fostering those friendships, even if it meant doing the hardest thing of letting go of some other friendships. My Catholic friends were really supportive, and some of them actually entered themselves later on. Uh, so we got to reconnect in the seminary. One more thing I'd say about that is that whether you feel supported or not, you may never really know like what an impact your yes to God can make on the lives of your friends and family. We're talking with Nick Eilert this afternoon on discerning a vocation. And uh, one of the things I guess that's kind of nice when uh, you are not too terribly far from home at Conception in, uh, in Missouri, um, and so, uh, although it's a little bit of a trip, but um, you know, co compared to some of the others, I guess it might have been a little bit, a little bit closer. So, while in seminary, how was the process of discernment fostered and encouraged? So, what was, what did you learn about the discernment process and how, how were, uh, how things were to kind of work out for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, discernment is fostered mainly through formation, prayer, and community. 
At conception, we have what we fondly call formators, which consists of class chaplains, spiritual directors, professors, and other staff and clergy who are responsible for, for providing us with the tools we need to have successful growth and discernment, as well as assessing our growth and discernment. Each seminarian gets assigned their own spiritual director who walks with us on our journey of discernment. We are expected to meet one-on-one -on -one at least every other week, which provides us with a guide and someone we can talk to freely about, yes, our discernment, but also our spiritual life and growth in general. Prayer is the most important part of discernment. A close relationship with God is key for anyone who wants to be happy in their vocation. Prayer is a normal part of the day at conception, and the whole schedule is structured around Mass and the Liturgy of the Hours. We're provided with time for silent reflection every weekday morning, and on a monthly or so basis, we're given a whole day of silence for recollection. Taking opportunities for silence is a great way to really invite God into your prayer and to sit with God apart from all the busyness. Outside the seminary, it can be hard to structure my day around prayer and incorporate a time of silence without distraction. But my greatest growth has always come from the periods of my life when I consistently allow 20 to 60 minutes specifically for silent prayer into my daily routine. Community is important as well because we simply don't excel on our own. Primarily, we need God. But God also said it is not good for man to be alone. Having a solid group of people around you with the same goal to get to heaven and the same desire to live a virtuous life encourages us to focus on what's important, and it reminds us of our worth. For discernment to the priesthood, it's good that we live in community at the seminary because we have that central goal, and we're all striving toward growth and toward making prudent decisions. We are encouraged not only to approach our own discernment, but to keep each other accountable in it as well. We work together, we pray together, and we grow in friendship together. And so we help each other out on our journey to living out our vocations. We're talking with Nick Eilert. One of the things, Nick, you talked about here was the prayer time and taking, you said, like 20 to, to 60 minutes in prayer. But I guess I'm, I'm curious, Eucharistic adoration, um, obviously, in, especially during the sermon for a vocation, but even through the vocation, if somebody even continues on and eventually becomes a transitional deacon and then priest, that prayer is so important. How was Eucharistic adoration for you Is that um, as far as the... Um, the time spent there. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it really is key. I mean, taking time with God intimately in Eucharistic adoration, there's no comparison because Jesus, you know, he's present in the Eucharist right there, and even, you know, exposed or even in the tabernacle, sitting in the presence of God in the church, silently, you know, adoring him, you know, it, it gives you that, that opportunity to bond with him, to have that you know, connection with him, that relationship with him. And like I said, like relationship with God is the most important thing, really f for happiness in general, but but even for guidance and through your vocation, mm. um, absolutely key. Um, All right. Well, what about, uh, let's talk about the ongoing discernment, what that looked like for you through the entire process, really from entering the seminary and then discerning out of the seminary, kind of share that that whole process with us, if you would. Yeah. Um, so actually, um, this question is a really great question because um, it, it shows the need to kind of clarify an assumption that, that's being made that we're always in a process of discerning. Um, it's an assumption I made that kind of filled me with anxiety for a significant part of my time at seminary. 
for a while I was constantly wondering whether I was called, whether I'd be good at it, whether I would enjoy it. And there are definitely times when you have to come to decisions or consider the options very seriously. But sometimes it's also best to stop discerning while you're in discernment. And that may seem a little counterproductive, but what I mean is that if you're constantly burdening yourself with the question of what am I called to be, then you tend to forget to live the life you're in right now. You forget to live in the present. For me, discernment has never been clear if my mind uh, if I keep my mind on planning and worrying about the future. Most of the things I plan for or worry about end up not even happening anyway, and I wind up fruitlessly overthinking things. The healthiest discernment I have is when I take a look at what I have done and what has fulfilled me most in my past experiences. That means that I need to be present now and put my all into whatever I'm doing right now so that I have those experiences to look back on and recall what fulfills me. I took on a leadership role in the seminary, which had nothing at all to do with the priesthood. I was the head of the yearbook committee. I had to take on that role to satisfy a requirement that all juniors there have to evaluate their own leadership capability. While I was in, an, while I was in that role, I realized that I enjoy planning delegating, maintaining a budget, meeting up with my team to talk about our progress, and giving direction. In short, I enjoyed managing. I was glad I figured this out because I was scared of the idea of being a manager up to that point, and I would never have realized that I liked it had I not put myself fully into the role I was given. But even still, it didn't hit me that that might be my calling, that management might be my calling until a couple years later. When I look back on that experience and was reminded of what I'd gained from it. And that's what folks mean when they say that discernment is in hindsight. You learn what you're made of by looking back later on on the things that you're doing right now. And those lessons guide your decisions for the future. So when I discerned into the seminary, I took the experience I had with Totus Tuus as my guide for making my decision. I really liked teaching about the faith. I enjoyed the prayers throughout the day, especially the Liturgy of the Hours, and I became very interested in the role that priests played in the parishes. I wanted to be part of that, and so that became my why that I stood on while applying to the seminary. So then the second, kind of the second part to that question, uh, being like when I discerned out, um, when I began to see that maybe I was not called to the priesthood, it started out with the thought that maybe I had rushed into a little uh, into it a little bit, that maybe I hadn't experienced enough adult life outside of the seminary to know if that truly was where God was calling to me. I felt anxious and insecure over that. It didn't help fuel a healthy discernment, honestly. Big life decisions shouldn't be made in fear. So knowing that, I intentionally stayed put in the seminary, even though the stress was getting to me and made me kind of want to leave. It was important to me to stick it out while it was tough so that I could learn from that time. And I trusted God would make it clear on his time. I needed to remind myself of the truth that God let me be there when he wanted me there. And he would equip me with what I needed if I was going to be a priest, regardless of when I began, regardless of when I entered, and regardless of any insecurities that I had at that moment. Because after all, I was only a year into it. And I had quite a while before I would need to sign my life away. So at the suggestion of my formators and my vocation director, I put discernment itself out of my mind 
and focused instead on being all in at the seminary. It turned into an extremely fruitful time of learning and growth. The question was no longer, am I called to be a priest? And was now, what do I need to do now to better prepare me for priesthood? As I put more focus on studying and reading and learning about myself, I began to see the beauty in both the vocation to marriage and to priesthood and simply felt that I resonated better with the vocation to marriage. I took this to my spiritual director and he gave me some excellent guidance. He told me to envision myself walking with Jesus and approaching a fork in, a, in the path ahead. Now, Jesus may strongly suggest the path that he knows will be best for me to take and will make me the happiest, but ultimately, he leaves the decision to me as to which path I will go down, and he will walk with me either way. So in the end, there's no wrong decision regarding pursuing my vocation because I'll be with God every step of the journey. And this put my mind greatly at ease because I'd been so worked up over not wanting to do the wrong thing that I lost focus on who I was living for. Once I put my focus back on Christ who was walking with me, I finally had the freedom to decide not out of fear this time, but in confidence that God was there in that decision. I took my time to make that decision, again taking in my experience to the full over the next couple of months, gaining more knowledge of myself, of Jesus, and of the church. Then as the school year was nearing a close and enrollment season was upon me, I did need to come to that decision point, and I was ready for it. I had just finished participating in the most beautiful Easter Vigil at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception there at the seminary. And as I stepped out into the light of a new day, I thought to myself, what a beautiful vocation priesthood is, and that I would certainly be very content in it if that was what God was calling me to. But it's time for me to leave because God had something else in mind for me. I communicated my decision to leave to my chaplain, and immediately it seemed like every single formator told me not to leave, that I would make a great priest. So I would pray about it again, and again, every time I was told that, and every time would come to the same resolution. It was a little frustrating at the time because the initial reaction for me was always to doubt in my resolve. But it became a blessing by the end of it because not only was I able to better articulate and stand for my reasoning for leaving, but it also gave me a lot of reassurance once I had left that I had no need to consider the matter any further which gave me the freedom to live my life without questioning my vocation. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about vocation discernment with Nick Eiler. Our guest is Nick Eilert, uh, a former seminarian who attended Conception Seminary College. And um, we're talking about discerning that vocation basically into the priesthood and, and then out of the priesthood. And, and uh, uh, so we're talking about, and Nick is sharing his story with us this afternoon. So Nick, what was the, the hardest transition when leaving the seminary and then going back to college? What was the toughest part for you? So my chaplain kind of warned me as I was leaving the seminary, he kind of warned me about the process of transitions. And I'd, I'd gotten a little taste of it going into seminary. Um, but really, like with his warnings, he was like, you know, it's, it's very easy to doubt yourself. 
It's very easy to not be assured of yourself. And so really, you know, the three things that were difficult for me in the transition and kind of as I was warned, and then and then also in, in other transitions that I've made in my life, it's always moving forward and making friends, reestablishing a consistent prayer life, and gaining that self-assurance. Uh, so once I left the community, the structure, and the direction uh, of the seminary, I had to kind of work to find a new community, build a new routine, and set myself confidently on a new course. It took months and intentionality. Once I got back to K-State, I already knew who I was and what kind of person I wanted to be thanks to seminary. So I sought out the best environment to be in that would foster those qualities in me that I held as important. I would go to St. Isidore's frequently so that I could meet people make a habit of going to daily mass, and be myself while doing that. That was the goal, but I struggled in doing that for about two months into the school year. It was very easy for me, since I was in that transition, to doubt myself and to be shy. But that was all the more reason why it was important to push through that and to find a group of people who I could count on. Many of my greatest friends were made in that first semester after seminary. All it took was putting myself out there and getting involved in the community at St. Isidore's. My prayer life was also formed as I began to structure my schedule around daily Mass. It started with a small step of making sure I picked a day to go consistently, and gradually I added more days until eventually I was going pretty much every day that nightly Mass was available. Mass had become so important to me in seminary that it became a priority throughout my time at K-State. And since I was already there so frequently, it made sense to get involved in activities and groups there too, which helped me grow in self-assurance as I would invest and accomplish it and become a leader. And then of course, walking with God every step of the way while I was, while I was doing that, I got involved with a thing called Pathways, which kind of opened the door for a lot of friendships, but then also got me very involved. I ended up taking on uh, a role as, as being uh, part of that retreat. Um, it's kind of like the Crossroads Retreat mm-hmm. here in Hayes. Right. Um, I got to be on the, the table staff uh, and give a talk for that, which helped me grow. And then eventually um, was picked to be the director for that. And so really the, the transition, I hit the ground running with Pathways. And, and that gave me kind of something to, to connect with people and then to gain that confidence um, and to really know who I am. So, uh, Nick, let's talk a little bit about the reaction of others, family and friends, when you decided that and discerned out and left the seminary. Uh, what was that like for you? <laughs> so my parents were just as supportive of me uh, leaving as, uh, as they were of me going in. Mm-hmm. Really outside of that, it, it, it's kind of funny that the most common reaction that I get when I, when I tell people that I left the seminary is, well, at least you gave it a try. And that always hit me really weird because it was said with the ki- same kind of tone as though I had just like pushed my plate away because I tasted a nasty side dish or something. It <laughs> felt honestly a little demoralizing. Like why was the immediate reaction pity or disappointment? It made me feel like I had failed since I had tried but didn't succeed by sticking with it and becoming a priest. And that reaction was especially unhelpful since it coupled with the lack of self-assurance that I was already feeling due to that transition that I talked about earlier. Looking back, 
I understand where people are coming from when they say it that way. I can kind of see that that reaction comes honestly out of maybe not simply fully understanding what a person can gain from being in the seminary, even if they didn't become a priest. And once I gained enough self-assurance on my end, I could clearly see for myself the real success that was my discernment, that I grew a lot, and that I left on good terms. So now when I hear someone, uh, someone else has left the seminary, my first reaction is always, way to go. You took a chance on God twice. You followed him in and you followed him out. And he's going to bless you throughout your life with the gifts and growth he gave you while you were there. Now continue to follow him. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. That's a, I've never heard it put that way, but following him in and following him out. Uh, a great, and that was, was that said by somebody you knew, or was that just some of your words? I, I pulled that from me. Oh, okay. I, have, I like that. I don't, can't say I've ever heard that before, but, and true is, again, then continuing to follow God, which is the path you've taken, and that's, that's great. Through the formation that the seminary provides, Nick, how have you seen the fruits of that formation and now continue in your everyday life? I've frequently been told how I have a great gift for self-reflection, that I've got a good knowledge of myself, and I owe that to my formation at, at conception. At the start of every school year at conception, we must come up with several formation goals, some to excel intellectually, some to improve behaviorally, some to advance in leadership, and some to develop spiritually. We're expected to foster these goals and to evaluate our own progress in them. And then at the end of the year, we write a final reflection on how these goals went, what we learned, what we accomplished, and what we still need to improve on. When I apply this principle of having a goal and shooting it for it, for it very intentionally, coming up with action steps on how to achieve it, I find that I grow very rapidly in that particular way. I look at the kind of person I was before seminary and the kind of person I became after seminary, and I'm far more mature confident, and faithful to God than I believed was even capable for me prior to seminary. Formation there built the foundation, championing my own formation beyond seminary. I may not be called to priesthood, but I am called to be a virtuous man, a leader, and a witness to God's love. And that's something any man can gain from priestly formation. Kind of share with us what you're doing now. We talked about uh, you finished your degree at K-State in business, and now you're working here in Hayes, so share a little bit about what, what, that, what you're doing now. Yeah, so in a sense, I'm living out today's calling of being a leader, provider, and a protector uh, through being a manager at, at Dillon's. And I would never have assumed that that would have come from managing a grocery store in a time like this. What a blessing. It, it's Truly, it's been for me to be where I'm needed most. The God's put me at Dillon's here and now to be an assistant store leader and a motivator while my team works so hard and sacrifices so much for the sake of others. I'm being humbled and filled with joy every day by God's love, which he shows in the difference my associates make in such a crazy time. Well, we, and one of the questions I, you know, and I always like to ask, especially seminarians and, and people who have really gone through some formation, and this is kind of off to- not not off topic, but not something that we had listed here. But so uh, one of the things I'm always curious about, saintly influences, who are some of the saints or some people that who have influenced you spiritually that are not, not in your, because we're going to go personal life otherwise later or in a little bit, but those saints maybe or those people um, 
in the church or whoever it may be that have been an influence to you? Who are some of those that you could list? Yeah, so throughout my entire vocation story, St. Therese has always been uh, a very, very big, prominent saint in my in my life. My pa- my confirmation saint was uh, St. Peter, and so he was. he's also been very very key in kind of shaping just my, my life in general. Um, Mm. I always reflect on his journey as he's like leaving the boat and going to Jesus on the water and he's walking on the water and then he looks at the waves and, and they're getting, they're getting to be distracting. They're getting to be intimidating. And he, he begins to doubt, even though he can see Jesus right in front of him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so he starts to sink, but then he calls out to God and Jesus saves him immediately. And, and all it, all it took was just to, remember to cry out to God for help. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, St. Therese, uh, she's she's just kind of been a model for me. Uh, the way that she pursued her vocation in such an intense way, she wouldn't stop, you know, anytime that the, anybody told her no, she would persist, knowing that, you know, God was, God was calling her to this, you know, vocation to be a nun. So she went all the way to the Pope, and the Pope even told her no, and she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't accept that as, as, as final. Um, so she continued to persist and pursue, uh, that, that vocation that she knew was going to fulfill her. And she stayed, she stayed faithful to God the entire time. So it's just been very inspiring for me. Yeah. And the story you talk about in Matthew from Peter, I love that. It's a great example to us. I think we, we see Peter walking towards Christ. He takes his eyes off Christ and begins to sink. I think that that there's so many messages in that. Just one you talked about is call, you know, cry out to Christ, but also the other thing that I think about with that one is we take our eyes off Christ, we begin to sink. We see all the things going on in our world around us, especially now as chaotic as things are, and we, t- we tend to sink when we take our eyes off Christ. So I love that particular gospel passage because it has so many messages in it as well. So what about other personal influences in your life, uh, people that you've encountered through you know, your time in the seminary or different priests or other people, who are some that come to mind that, that really have been a strong influence for you? Yeah. So really, I mean, going into seminary, uh, Father Brian Lager was, was, he was with me throughout Totus Tuus. I, I did two, just because of the ways that the priests moved around that year, I, I ended up doing two no, I guess I guess he was doing Concordia in Belleville, so I, I did both of those for Totus Tuus. Anyway, he was really with me the entire those entire weeks, and uh, and really really like we had a lot of really good um, discussions, and and it really helped shape kind of how I viewed the priesthood as well as how I viewed you know my own potential vocation to the priesthood and how I approached it. Um, he he was very instrumental in, in guiding me in those ways, and even. I'd say, you know, later on, my spiritual, my first spiritual director after I left the seminary was Father Luke Thielen, and he, he really guided me through a lot of, like, my Pathways experience. I, you know, I, I took that because I wanted to, I wanted to have a good talk, but I also wanted to get to know, you know, myself even better, and, and so he was, he was with me throughout a lot of that process, too. So those were two very key figures, and then, of course, now Father Ryan here in town, we were together at K-State for, for two years, and uh, just the friendship that I've built with him has been very inspiring and very, very formative for me, just to get, really to get his knowledge and uh, to, you know, to really walk with him mm-hmm. uh, kind of through this time. 
Father Ryan, I had not met until the the Carathon here and met him early on in the week, I guess on Monday or on Tuesday, and then had an opportunity to have dinner with him uh, and Donette and Lester and a group of people, and it was just great to get to know him a little bit better as well. We had a chance to pray over him too, which was really cool. I think a priest, our priests really need our prayers right now, and anytime we can do that, that's a great thing. So what is one thing that you learned in seminary that you'll take with you throughout your life? Ultimately... I learned just how badly I need prayer. It's amazing how in my my freshman year when I didn't have much of a prayer life in going to uh in becoming, you know, somebody that did have a little bit more of a prayer life later on in my freshman year, not a lot in my life seemed to change. But then in times when I go from having a regular prayer life and then stop praying regularly, things seem to just fall apart kind of like that Peter sinking into the water kind of instance. The structure of a schedule centered on prayer at seminary made it easy. When I would go home for breaks, it was really tough to stay in a rhythm or even to get in a new rhythm. And even now it's tough to live out a routine of prayer. I find it really helpful to make myself get up a little earlier than than just to get ready for work so that I can set aside time first thing in the morning to pray. And when I do that, it centers me. It keeps me mindful during the day of exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and who I'm doing it for. It's easy at work to get caught up in just doing the job. And there isn't necessarily an opportunity to go somewhere to pray. But one thing I can do is just say something short every hour. At one point, I had an app on my phone that would chime on the hour during the day. And now here at Dylan's, there's an hourly chime that goes over the PA the PA system. And so, you know, I, I can work that in, you know, I hear the chime and I say a quick prayer and then, uh, and then I, you know, go about with work. When going to work, there's just enough time to pray a chaplet of divine mercy. And then when leaving work, there's a church on my way that I can stop and pray for about 15 to 20 minutes. Really, it's tough to establish a rhythm, but once I put in discipline to adhere to the rhythm, then eventually it becomes a normal part of my daily life and no longer feels like a chore. The rhythm I mentioned is one that I'm still trying to set. And since it's a fairly new situation for me being here at Hayes, but the point I'm trying to make is that it's important to find ways to incorporate prayer, to come up with a plan and to stay disciplined to make it a habit. Life is better when centered around God, and that's what prayer is ultimately meant for. All right. Well, we do have a question that came in uh, online here, I think, um, uh, from Carly. She's asking, how are you being intentional about discerning marriage right now? That's a question from Carly. Okay. And that's a fair question. Really, a lot of where that really work, honestly, is is teaching me a lot of things about about how to be a father, because because I see a lot of I see a lot of my dad's fatherhood in the way that I manage, uh, manage people and things like that. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about how sometimes when you're discerning, it's not necessarily that you're thinking like, what am I called to? Like, like, cause I know I'm called to marriage, but really, you know, what I'm focused on right now is just gaining the skills that I need to like be a good father and gaining that prayer life for myself. Um, so that, you know, when, it, when the time comes, I won't have to build that into my life. It'll already be there. So practicing the way I'm going to play, essentially. But, uh, but yeah, but 
right now it's it's a lot of just learning who I am and and what I'm made of, especially when I when I manage and and when I pray. As we wrap up, Nick, what would you have to say if somebody, uh, maybe a young person, is discerning right now, maybe thinking about the priesthood or just uh, the religious life, whatever it is, if it's a young lady, what would you say to them? What kind of advice could you share with them? Absolutely. The biggest thing I'd say is don't be afraid. I remember how afraid I felt when I started looking into the seminary, but honestly, once I got there, I saw that there was nothing to fear in the first place, and I had just been afraid of the unknown. Push through that fear of the unknown. Whenever people tell me that, they don't really give me practical things I can do. And, and really, when I do practical things, it helps me to, to fight fear. So I'm going to give you two practical things for anybody that's thinking about the seminary or considering the seminary that you can actively do to push through that fear of the unknown. Talk about it and take risks. First, if you aren't sure of your vocation, that's totally okay. Nobody's going to make you a priest or a religious tomorrow. It's a process for a reason. If you want to investigate more, talk about it to your parish priest or reach out to your vocation director. Ours, I believe, are Father Josh Worth and Father Andy Hamicky. Here in town, Rick Binder is also a great resource. Their numbers are on salinadiocese.org. Just click the word vocations at the top. If nothing else, it helps just to make those connections so that you can get involved in the church in ways that will foster your vocation regardless of what it is. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. If God wants you in the seminary, then believe me, he will make it happen. If you find yourself considering priesthood, whether you're finishing high school, midway through college, or even well-established in a career, God takes you as you are, and he will equip you with what you need. Just keep praying, stay patient, and keep in touch with your pastor and your vocation director. Trust that they are there to help guide you. Second, and I touched on this some already, is pay attention to who you are and what you're doing. Look for opportunities to get involved in your church, your school, your community, and you will learn who you are and what you enjoy through what you do. Don't assume you won't like something or won't be good at it before you try it. Take risks. Get involved in not only things you know you'll enjoy, but also in good things that you dread. If it doesn't pan out, it's not a failure. It's an opportunity to learn. On the other hand, you might find that that risky move was the one that worked out best in the end. Going to seminary was a risky move for me, and I can't imagine my life without having gone. And changing my college major the seventh time was also a risky move. But then I graduated in business, and now I enjoy my job. So to sum up, if you might be considering priesthood, or if you might be interested in going to seminary, Punch fear in the face by talking about it to your priest or vocation director and by taking risks and getting involved in the church. Discernment takes a t process of time and prayer. Good discernment may mean that there are times when you stop discerning in favor of placing that discernment in God's hands and focusing instead on growing and preparing yourself for whichever vocation you're pursuing at that time. Trust that God has your best and happiest self in mind. He is leading you ever so subtly, provided you stay patient, keep praying, and say yes to him. All right, Nick, great information and great, uh, you know, some great thoughts from you as well as you uh, shared your discerning of vocation. We appreciate you taking time to come in and share with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely.